Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of SFF yeah is sponsored by Book Riot's own newsletters. Did you know that here at Book Riot, we have over 25 newsletters covering every genre, including science fiction and fantasy, as well as book news and deals. Sign up for book deals to get notified about the best book sales of the day, handpicked by our editorial staff. There's Today in Books, our daily newsletter, summing up the most interesting headlines from the book world every day. And don't forget Swords and Spaceships, which covers everything new and interesting in the world of sci-fi fantasy. We've also got newsletters for horror fans, romance readers, YA lovers, mystery thriller aficionados, and more. Just go to bookriot.com newsletters to sign up for the newsletters that are most interesting to you. That's bookriot.com newsletters. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 95, and we are recording on January 8th. I'm Jen Northington. I'm here with Sharifa Williams. We're coming to you from Book Riot for the first episode of 2021. <laughs> and after a very long <laughs> news week, uh, today we're going to give our most anticipated standalone books of 2021, which feels nice at the end of, you know, this week while you're into next week when you're hearing this. But it's been a moment, and I'm excited to have something to look forward to right now now yeah it's funny because i was gonna be like happy new year <laughs> it's just like what a start what a strange and alarming start but this is this is a nice palate cleanser i agree yes. like talking about books that we're really excited about and starting i'm i'm considering this the actual start of the year <laughs> <laughs> that seems fair. I see no problem with that. Yeah, we do. Time what we is can. a construct. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, before we talk about news and then our anticipated reads, I am going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is one I'm excited about. It's Tales from the Hinterland by Melissa Albert. A gorgeously illustrated collection of 12 original stories by the New York Times bestselling author of The Hazelwood and the Night Country, Journey into the Hinterland, a brutal and beautiful world where a young woman spends a night with death, brides are wed to a mysterious house in the trees, and an enchantress is killed twice and still lives. Perfect for new readers and dedicated fans alike, Tales from the Hinterland will include gorgeous illustrations by Jim Tierney, foil stamping, two-color interior printing, and two-color printed end papers. This is, I have talked about, I'm pretty sure I've, yeah, I've definitely talked about the Hazelwood before on this show yes. and <laughs> how much I love that book and how great it is. And so I was personally excited when I saw this because, you know, Tales from the Hinterland are a big, is a big part of that series. And I love a book within a book. I'm sure many of you do. 
and that this is also illustrated is really exciting. Um, Kelly Link describes it as lush and deliciously sinister fairy tales to be consumed as greedily as Turkish Delight or any fairy fruit. It sounds fantastic, and if you want to treat yourself, check out Tales from the Hinterland, again by Melissa Albert. Thanks for sponsoring today's episode. All right, let's start talking about news. And this one actually I found early early last year. What am I talking about? Toward the end of last year <laughs> when uh, I was looking around for some news and this caught my eye. It's a talk about a True Blood reboot. And this is still in an, a very early stage, but I couldn't resist talking about this because I can't, I don't know if I've talked about it here before, but I was like, really into True Blood when oh. that series started initially. Feels like a million years ago when the <laughs> first season of that show aired, but that was like I was in it from the jump. Um, and I did end up, I stopped watching the show when when one of my favorite characters, I won't spoil anything, but when one of my favorite characters was killed off, I was like, eh, I don't know what I'm coming here for anymore. But I got... Mm reanimated about this news because I'm curious about how they're going to reboot this series which is an adaptation of course and I don't know how it's going to be because it still feels even though I I just said it feels like a million years ago that the first season aired it it's still like relatively new as far as an adaptation goes but that's what we're doing in the land of reboots these days anyway <laughs> So why am I surprised? But so there, the talk about it is that Riverdale creator Roberto Aguirre Sacasa is attached as an executive producer and is also expected to co-write the pilot uh, with another person, Jamie O'Brien, who was a creator on another adaptation, Nosferatu. So... Alan Ball, who originally created the True Blood adaptation for HBO way back when, I guess, oh, it was 2008. That is a long time ago. Uh, will also potentially, they say, is poised to return as an executive producer as well. So lots of people involved, uh, lots of familiar names there. And I'm really curious about how they're going to redo this. I am one of those people who did not read the books before watching the series. And <laughs> there's a part of me that's like, should I? Like, before I watch this reboot, whenever it comes out sometime later, should I spend this time reading the series? I don't know. I haven't decided. But I might. Who knows? Uh, but that was really exciting news to me as a past True Blood fan. Did you ever watch that show? I did not. I don't love watching Anna Paquin. Wow. Oh, really? That's funny. Yeah. I it's very specific. Um, <laughs> it's very specific. 
I just really don't like watching her. It's I don't know how to explain it. Uh, I'm sure she's a perfectly fine actress and human being. I just can't watch her. Uh, so, no, I never watched it. Um, I am super curious about this. Oh, wait, I should take a moment. We should say uh, the more information about this article. Um, so this is on TVLine.com, yes, reported by Michael Osiello. Um, yeah, my I have so many questions about this like are they gonna do one of those reboots that's actually retelling the same material or are they doing like a you know next time on you know whatever like in the true blood land like it's like a more of like a continuation of the series than an actual reboot because I've seen them use reboots in that way before if that makes sense like the next generation is it true blood the next generation is my question yeah that's Um, an interesting question and we don't know. We don't know. So we'll just have to wait to find out. Um, I also somehow missed that they made an adaptation of Nosferatu. Like, oh, I'm saying that. And actually, now that I say that out loud, I just forgot because now I'm remembering that Zachary Quinto was cast in it. And yeah. that sticks out in my brain. But I completely forgot that that was a thing. It's so there's so many adaptations of sci-fi fantasy stuff out there. It's impossible to keep track of it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I Like, will I watch this? I don't know. I mean, I probably not is the answer. But that's, <laughs> I, I can see how it would be very exciting for fans of both the books and the original show, uh, depending on depending on what they do with it. Yeah, I agree. Like, once I know more about it, there's a good chance that I won't be as excited about it as I am right now. <laughs> Uh, but it could also go the other way. So, do you do you just like you want a whole new Suki? Like you're like envisioning like just a whole new take on her? Is that the appeal, sort of? Yeah, I would almost love to see. There were some things about the original series that I enjoyed, but yeah, I really I'm I'm kind of in a privileged place of not feeling that attached to the characters. It was sort of like. They were like my soaps in a way, I guess you could uh-huh. say. So I was just yeah. sort of, I'm like willing to see any other version of these characters and just sort of have like the main, you know, the main tropes of the story remain. Um, the things that made the story and the adaptation of the series really fun. I'd like to see some of those. But I really am like... You know, as long as the main parts of it are still there, as long as it's still about, you know, these vampires in this setting that I really loved wreaking havoc, like, I'm kind of (laughs) open to anything. I just wanted to have that same, I guess fun atmosphere like it it I didn't take right. it super seriously and right. I need a little bit more of that kind of popcorn series in my life I hear that but about I vampires right right that makes perfect sense to me that makes perfect sense yeah uh all right well also in news that happened last year but we just never got to talk about on this show um I ju- I changed the link on you Sharifa you might have an old link but okay there's an interview on Bustle with Tamsin Muir uh, from like, yeah, it was October, uh, reported by KW Colyard. I've, literally, that's how long this has been in our like agenda news pool. But I wanted to bring it up because uh, as you know, we talk about 
most anticipated things. Um, this interview was done because Muir, who is the author of Gideon the Ninth and Harrow the Ninth, which we have talked about extensively mm-hmm. on this show, has signed a five book deal with Tor. Uh, and so that means that like five new books, one, it's going to be a novella trilogy and then two novels um, are going to come out in, you know, the future. It's obviously a very recent book deal. So probably most of these books are like not even written or definitely not done yet. But um, I'm really excited about it, especially because they teased uh, the first of the new releases is called Go Marching In, and it's the first installment of a cyberpunk novella trilogy, uh, like an like a ocean like world, but it's inspired by the Old West, and it's about a gunslinger <laughs> who's pulled out of retirement, a female gunslinger, and I'm just like, yeah, put it in my eyeballs, like <laughs> inject it directly into my eyeballs as soon as possible. Um, and there's some fun quotes from Muir in here about like growing up and writing uh, queer stories and, you know, what it is that she's inspired by and hopes to accomplish with her own writing. Um, so the link to that is in the show notes. But I'm I'm jazzed to to know that more is coming and especially to know that, you know, a cyberpunk Western with a female gunslinger. Like, I'm really interested to see what Muir does with that kind of a premise. Yeah, I'm a I'm a sucker for retired yes any any sort of job where they're doing some adventuring or high risk stuff coming back to go back at it as well and especially if it's an older character mm-hmm. and also today this second i learned that there is a term disaster lesbians yeah i had never heard that in my life so that's that's one of the interview questions where the interviewer is saying the main characters Gideon and Harrow are classic disaster lesbians but yes I'm always excited about something new coming from Tamsin Muir and I remember this news coming up and then of course like in the chaos of the end of the Mm -hmm. year I kind of forgot about this so I'm really glad you brought it up again because a five book deal is no small thing and Mm -hmm. I will happily read all five books because I just love her writing so much and yeah I don't think I get enough cyberpunk stuff like I feel like that is one subgenre where I have always felt like it seems so it seems like it's a great subgenre for lots of ideas that are applicable to our current timeline (laughs) or of course going back into the old west or whatever but I really love cyberpunk and I'm really excited to see how Mirror tackles that subgenre. So very exciting. Yeah. Well, here's something from fandom culture where it's a it's like a, the oldest story <laughs> from <laughs> science fiction and fantasy and fans and how focused we all are on details specifically. <laughs> so <laughs> the Royal Mint made a new two pound coin and this coin was meant to commemorate H.G. Wells, and there was a problem with it. 
in that, for instance, the tripod, that's tripod, is <laughs> depicted with four legs. <laughs> so, I mean, you don't have to be like a super fan as long as you know that, you know, they were called tripods in War of the Worlds. You That's all you kind of need to know to notice <laughs> that there's something wrong there in the first place. One of the things, I, you know, as somebody who hasn't read um, The Invisible Man, I wouldn't have known that there's a top hat depicted in the coin with this uh what is it what would we call it quad pod like i don't know yeah it's a quad <laughs> yeah, pod. Quad that's pod. exactly what i was thinking <laughs> <laughs> there's a top hat depicted alongside it and everybody who's read the invisible man was like well this character did not wear a top hat the character wore a broad brimmed or wide brimmed hat and a top hat was not the right characterization at all because this character is very ungentlemanly like mm -hmm. uh one of the academics who studies hg wells or wrote about um hg wells talked about this and um i should mention of course that this is coming from the guardian and it's written by allison flood over there uh who's talking about this this coin. And so it's supposed to commemorate, you know, Mark 75 years since the death of Wells. And now, of course, it's kind of besmirched by all of these. Like the two <laughs> things in this coin are wrong. And <laughs> so it's kind of besmirched. But then they go on to talk about how all the other, a few other examples of errors that have happened with these literary commemorative. Um, items that are obviously like they take they must take time and they definitely take money to create these things and there's this question of like well wouldn't you have like at least the basic level understanding about this thing that you're celebrating that is supposed to appeal to fans of the literature or the author wouldn't you have like the base level understanding of the characters or the quotes or the you know author you're depicting and they talk about like a james joyce issue and then there was a jane austen one so it <laughs> goes beyond science fiction and like if you just want to have a little fun i would recommend reading the whole thing but i just thought this was like kind of funny and a little embarrassing <laughs> but they don't seem to they actually asked for a statement um uh, from the royal mint and the response they gave was very like pr like all they said was we have created a new two pound coin to celebrate the life and works of hg wells the coin depicts scenes from famous works such as war of the worlds and the invisible man as imagined by designer chris costello so to me that was them throwing chris costello the designer under the bus there yes. um which that's what i was nice. thinking i was like i would not want to be him on the internet right now i know and all he said was you know because what can he say he was just inspired by vintage hg wells book covers and movie posters so i mean it's like what do you do with that i'm sure they're not gonna make a new coin uh but no. i just thought this was hilarious <laughs> Yeah, I had a good chuckle reading this through um, because I identify with both sides. Like, I completely 
understand that feeling of infuriation when, you know, somebody is like supposedly commemorating something, but they've deeply misunderstood the nature of what they're commemorating. Yeah. But then also like, yeah, like when you're trying to do a thing, sometimes mistakes happen and then Maybe. it's like, well, what can you do? Like, there's only so much you can do. Um I think, though, my favorite part of this was the note at the very end about the 50p Brexit coin, which did not have an Oxford comma on it. Oh, yeah. And I remember and that. The, like that outcry <laughs> about that. I had missed that when it happened. So that was a fun little wormhole to fall down uh, into um, that. That the whole thing gave me a chuckle. So Yeah. The only reason I for- remember the Brexit thing was just because I saw Philip Pullman angry tirade about yes. that like in passing <laughs> right philip pullman was very upset about the Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord it's you know it's uh here we are this, this is i would rather talk about this news than any other news actually which leads me right into our last piece of news which again file under news i would rather talk about than almost anything else uh which is that this, so this piece is from the AV Club, reported by Reed McCarter, and uh, it turns out that in Pakistan on New Year's Eve, a gentleman dressed up as a werewolf and rode around on a motorcycle making werewolf noises at passersby to celebrate the end of 2020 <laughs> and was was arrested by local police uh, because I guess. The folks in the neighborhood did not enjoy being growled at. I'm not I'm not 100% positive if if the werewolf committed crimes other than being werewolfy. Um, but there's some <laughs> pictures in case you're curious and it's very delightful. Uh, I hope that the arrest was as minimally upsetting to the werewolf as possible. Yes. Yes, and I hope that the werewolf was wearing. I mean, the werewolf is wearing a mask, so yes. <laughs> right. That's something. But why? I just I, I really want to know, like the thought that went into or the path that led this person to being like, you know what, twenty twenty really needs. Yeah, <laughs> me riding around town. On a motorcycle with a werewolf mask on, howling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, like, is that, like, I'm trying to think, like, would you get arrested for that? Like, in my neighborhood? Like, I just don't know. Like, what is the arresting, like, what's the violation here? Like, what what of these various activities violates code enough to get arrested for is another question I have. Um, yeah. yeah. I have, I have so many questions about this. <laughs> oh, but it's really, I like when this popped up in my Feedly, I was just like, thank you, the AV Club, for bringing me this news. Um, yes. Because, yes. And apparently, oh, this is another thing I learned from this, this article, was that there is a 70s biker horror B-movie called Werewolves on Wheels, which I had no idea existed. So the next time I'm craving a B-movie, I'm going to have to see if I can't find it on Netflix, because do I want to watch like a biker horror movie about werewolves? The answer is yes. 100%. I can't <laughs> believe I didn't know about this. 
This sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so that's where we'll close out our news section today. <laughs> a little light fare for us all. Thank goodness. Yeah, we do need a little break here. Uh, okay, let's see. So before we get into our most anticipated, let me tell you about another sponsor. Uh, our next sponsor is Into the Light by David Weber and Chris Kennedy. And this is a vampires versus aliens story. Uh, the series began with Out of the Dark, which was a New York Times bestseller. And Into the Light is the sequel for this uh, book. And um, in in the first book, Out of the Dark, Earth beat back an alien invasion. But now they've got to make sure that the aliens don't come back. So, uh, yeah, vampires, like, emerged in the course of the Shungari, the aliens, conquering Earth and allied with mankind. And, of course, you know, once you've got vampires on your side, aliens don't stand a chance. And now some of the aliens are on their way to the Shangari homeworld, having com- commandeered one of the alien starships, and it is the planet-busting kind of starship. So the vampires are taking the fight to the aliens. This is a whole lot of premise. And if you are a fan of military sci-fi or some, that hook right there, um, <laughs> then you are definitely going to want to pick this up. So again, that is is Into the Light by David Weber and Chris Kennedy. I can't believe I have not thought about vampires versus aliens prior to having read that ad spot. That does seem like it's a... I'm thinking back to now to Predator versus Aliens, which is a very interesting sci-fi movie. Interesting, in clear quotes, sci-fi movie. I was like, what is that? What is the alien against? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's another alien right yeah it's right like, yeah I, predators so also long. an alien okay so it's, like, it's actually technically aliens versus aliens which is but they're different kinds but different of alien aliens species. so it's yeah different, different aliens and i guess you know depending on your origin story for vampires you could have some fun with that okay i'm sorry this is like a whole wormhole we have now <laughs> descended into instead let's talk about what we're supposed to talk about uh which is our most anticipated standalone books of 2021 it was really hard to narrow these down mm-hmm. there's a lot of exciting looking stuff coming and we're going to do a separate show about uh series books um that we're anticipating in 2021 so we, we that helped me a little bit um But my first pick that I want to talk about is a little bit of a cheat uh, Mm. because it technically came out in November, but I think it got lost in the shuffle and the ebook has only just come out this week. So as far as I'm concerned, that makes it a 2021 release Mm -hmm. and it is Reconstruction, which is a short story collection by Alia Don Johnson, published by an indie press I love called Small, Small Beer Press. Um, and if you haven't read Alia Don Johnson before, she does such interesting things. She writes sci-fi. She writes like sort of present day, like slightly tweaked action-y stuff. Um, but she, or she writes fantasy. She writes all over the place in in the spectrum genre. But what she always brings to her books is this very uh, great sensibility about um, 
what uh, like these political and cultural touch points that, you know, we as readers and writers are dealing with and how she can explore those touch points through her fiction. Um, She's also a musician and music really generally plays a strong role in her books as well, which is a thing that I love. Um, And this collection sounds great. I'm so excited to dig into it. It's got like vampires in Hawaii. It's got like a story set in um, the American Civil War. There's like some coming of age stuff. There's all different kinds of different stories going on here. And I am I have not read short fiction from her before. I've only read her longer fiction and I have enjoyed it so much. So I'm really excited to see what she does in a shorter form. And the topics of the stories sound like they're right up my alley. So yeah, that's Reconstruction by Aliyah Don Johnson, which is out uh, in both print and ebook as of January 5th. So you can get it right now. Well, I am glad that you brought it up because that definitely fell off of my radar. I had not heard about that title, so I'm sure there are lots of people who didn't. So cheating is fine in this (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, my first pick is about superheroes, adventure, arch enemies, and feelings, and it's We Could Be Heroes by Mike Chen. And this is described as an adventure story with unlikely friends. And it's about two people, Jamie and Zoe, who both experience memory loss. And they only have some clues about their identity and, you know, who they were and what they did in the past, but they have abilities. So Zoe has abilities of speed and strength, and Jamie has the ability to read and erase other people's memories, which is uh, not great if I ever met somebody like that. But (sighs) Zoe is described as like using her abilities to deliver fast food. If that gives you any sort of tone about how this book is going to be, it certainly did give me like a this is going to be a fun sort of lulzy read, which is exactly what I'm looking for. So these two are arch rivals, and they meet in a memory loss support group, and they have to help each other out. They have to unite in order to figure out who they were and what happened to them. And so they have these clues that they have to follow this trail of breadcrumbs, so to speak, leading them to who they actually are. And this is a new to me author. I haven't read anything by Mike Chen. And that's kind of a thing I'm trying to do more of this year is to just, you know, explore authors, not always rely on the authors who are my go-tos, which can happen because there are lots of books coming out by a lot of my favorite people. So mm-hmm. this is me trying to make an effort to read outside of my usual territory. So Mike Chen is the author of Here and Now and Then. And I'm really excited about the sound of this because I really love a good adventure story, especially when strangers team up and especially, especially when arch rivals have to team up because I think that <laughs> dynamic is just so fun and funny and I love the clashing. 
Uh, and it's funny because I was thinking about this. I don't generally feel drawn to like superhero comics and media, but I really love a superhero novel, maybe because a lot of them tend to like subvert the superhero mm. tropes. Uh, or at least the ones I've come across. So I don't know why that is, but I'm I'm assuming that is what's going on there. But I really love a superhero novel. And I'm looking forward to this one, especially since there is that mystery element. I think ever since Gideon the Ninth, I've sort of been looking for more science fiction and fantasy with a mystery component. Um, so this sounds like a really a potentially really fun adventure story with, you know, maybe some butt kicking in there, some cool outfits, some fights, and definitely some feels. So again, that is We Could Be Heroes by Mike Chen. And this one's out this month, January 26th. I'm going to have that song stuck in my head for the rest of the day. I, every single time, every single time. (laughs) I do also love a, especially a subversive superhero book. So I'm excited about that one too. Yes. I have another short story collection I'm excited about. And this one caught my eye because of the gorgeous cover. It is really beautiful. Um, It's sort of a woman who uh, is coming, emerging from underwater. And the colors and the illustration style are just like stunning. Um, And Isabel, yep, speaking of reading new authors, she is new to me. um, But I was able to read one of her short stories on Uncanny Magazine. It's called How to Swallow the Moon. It is stunning. Uh, And I'm going to leave a link to that in the show notes because once you read it, I think you'll see exactly why I'm so excited about this short story collection. And uh, the author is originally, she grew up in the Philippines and currently lives in the Bay Area. And um, the short story collection is pitched as um, spells and stories, urban legends and immigrant tales, which are like all things that I can't wait to see. I actually love the idea of urban legend retellings. Mm. It's something that we've had on our like show potential show theme lists for you know years at this point I think but there just aren't that many of them um and so I'm excited to have some short fiction contributions to that and then the short story I mentioned that I have read by her how to swallow the moon is a gorgeous um fantasy story about two women who have to fight off a monster basically with the power of love and it's amazing and i just i want more of all of these things uh in my life so I'm very much looking forward to this collection. And then I also happened to see that Charlie Jane Anders left a, re- a five-star review of it on Ooh. Goodreads. And yes, and I, you know, I was already excited, but then you put like a Charlie Jane Anders stamp of approval on it. And now I really need to read it. So um, again, that is the short story collection, Never Have I Ever. Also a good title for uh, a, a, you know, contemporary culture influenced short story collection. Um, by Isabel Yap. That sounds fun. I love exploring different stories with short story collections. I don't even remember if I read any last year. Oh, yeah? I saw a few of them out um, in 2021, so I might have to pick one of them up, and this sounds like a good one. Well, my next one is Lost in the Neverwoods by Aidan Thomas. 
And I'm embarrassed to admit that I completely missed the train on Cemetery Boys. Like, I knew <laughs> it was out there and getting all this acclaim. And it was just one of those books where I was like, I gotta read it, I gotta read it. And I didn't. So I've been, like, I keep hearing about it. <laughs> and so the second I saw that Aiden Thomas has another book coming out, I was like, not this time. I'm going <laughs> to hop on that book and I'm going to be the one talking about it and giving it raves and everything. So, <laughs> and it sounds really, it sounds totally up my alley. Cemetery Boys did too, but you know, of course I missed it. So this is a story <laughs> and this might all sound familiar to you as I talk about it. So this is a story about children who start to go missing in uh, the local woods and about a teenage girl who has to overcome her fears to rescue these lost kids. This is a YA novel. And so the character, the young woman, our protagonist, is named Wendy. And her two brothers and her, she went missing with her two brothers in these woods. And now other town, other children in the town are starting to disappear. And then there's another character named Peter, who she thought only lived in her stories, who's now asking her for her help in rescuing these lost kids. So this, I was reading this at first and I was like, oh, this sounds like a familiar story. And I was like, oh, Peter Pan, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> this is obviously a Peter Pan retelling. And, you know, I love a good retelling, especially of classics, especially when there's some creepy element. And I always <laughs> thought Peter Pan was creepy. I don't know <laughs> if it was always meant to be. But I got the same sense of creepiness from Peter Pan as I did with the story of the Pied Piper. Oh, yeah. It was always just like, ugh, this is weird. <laughs> like, I remember thinking that as a child, like, this is interesting, strange. Uh, so this sounds like a really interesting riff. And I, I love Creepy Woods. I've been reading a lot of those books recently <laughs> and forever. And they are definitely in my wheelhouse. And I think this is a great, especially if there's an element of like, our known world plus these creepy woods and you know um the lost boys and everything like i just am really looking forward to seeing how aiden thomas remixes that because i know it's gonna be great just from what i've heard about cemetery boys so really exciting also a fellow portlandian so it's about time i supported my fellow Portlandians. And yeah, again, that was Lost in the Neverwoods by Aidan Thomas. And this one's out March 23rd, so spring. That sounds awesome. And also, Sharifa, you can't actually miss a book that's still there waiting for you when you're ready. So, you're so even right. if it's years from now, <laughs> you will you won't have missed it. You'll get to it when you're ready. It's fine. <laughs> that's true. I don't have to jump on the buzz no. bus. <laughs> No, it's okay. I mean, if you do, it's cool. But if not, that's also fine. Like, I always feel like when I see people being like, oh, I'm so late to this. It's like, no, you've arrived. Like, there's no time limit on a book. That's what's so beautiful about them. 
Thank you, Jen. I needed that reassurance. (laughs) Let's be good to ourselves in 2021. Yes, let's. Let's, please. All right, let's see. Okay, so my first sci-fi pick for most anticipated is an author completely new to me, uh, Quartia Newland, who is a British writer of both Jamaican and Bahan heritage. And I'm super interested in this uh, this premise. So the book is called A River Called Time. And this is a speculative fiction novel set in parallel Londons. So in this uh, story, an ARC, capital A, was built to save, you know, was built purportedly to save the lives of the many. But then, as is so often the case in our capitalist society, it became a refuge for the elite and the entrance was closed without warning and this ARC was cut off from the world. And then years after that happens, um, a chance of survival within its confines is granted to a few from outside of the world. And uh, one of them um, is sort of cursed, blessed. I don't know. He has this power where his spirit will leave his body, uh, which allows him to experience things outside of his own physical limitations. So Denny makes it inside the Ark um, and learns that there's another person with that power, but like this, there there is a, a potential disaster for humanity. And he has to like understand his own powers and uncover some truths about the Ark and whatnot. And that That is already, um, like, quite a lot of interesting things. But then also, when you start to read more of the publisher copy, it also imagines um, what might have happened if uh, Africa had, the continent of Africa had not been decimated by imperialism and colonialism, which is definitely a story, like, I'm ready to read. I think a lot of folks Mm -hmm. are ready to read. So there's multiple things going on, like parallel universe type, you know, alternate history things going on here. And um, I saw quotes from other writers, including Victor Laval, which is always a good sign to me because Victor Laval's work is great. So, yeah, I'm like all in excited to read this when I get my hands on a galley. And again, that's A River Called Time by Cortia Newland. And that comes out in April on April 6th. Okay, my first science fiction pick is In the Quick. This one's by Kate Hope Day, who I haven't read again. And this sounds really, I actually initially heard about this or read about this because Liberty was raving about it. And then I tried to go buy it and realized it was not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! This is what happens when I'm editing a lot of newsletters. I'm just like, I forget that we're talking about future books. Uh, yeah. So felt a little clueless there, but I'm really excited that it's coming out this year now because it sounds really great. This is a book about space travel terrifying and fascinating and it follows June who's a described as a difficult girl with a gift for mechanical in, invention and so the story follows her through a really grueling astronaut training program when she's she's younger and she's like this sort of phenom and so she's younger than everybody in her class and then there's another student in her class who is 
as accomplished and talented as she is. And then the story jumps to six years later where she has a post as an engineer on a space station. But then there's also this mystery that is in her past that still haunts her. And it's about a spacecraft called Inquiry that went missing with a crew when June was 12 years old. So, of course, that would be a a traumatic event, um, especially since June is connected in some way. And so she ends up seeking out help from her uncle's former protege. And then there's this story about this romance she has that ends up being a hurdle to her finding out what actually happened with Inquiry and this crew. And of course, we don't know how that happens, what it is about this romance that is getting in the way. But I can't wait to find out. This sounds... The cover, first of all, is really cool looking. It's just very, once you see it, I couldn't forget about it because it was stuck in my head. So Kate Hope Day is also, in case the name sounds familiar, the author of If Then She, oh, If Then, sorry. And I have never, I don't think I've ever come across her or her work, but the book was uh, comped with Station Eleven, which I just, just read a couple weeks ago for the first time, and it was amazing. And so I can't wait to find out how it's, you know, comparable and what features of the story are similar to Station Eleven, because now I am definitely looking for read-alikes. And I also like that this sounds like kind of a fresh love story, like I haven't come across something that sounds like this romance before. So I'm really excited about that. And it's again called In the Quick by Kate Hope Day. It's out March 2nd. All right. My other sci-fi pick is Blue Mar by Francesca G. Varela. And this just sounds fascinating to me. I... I like, I just sort of don't know where to start. So it's a near future (laughs) novel about two sisters. And like immediately I'm on board. I love sister stories, right? Super interesting. Um, And this is a near future in which, you know, much like our own future, climate change has wreaked havoc on the world. There's, you know, wildfires, there's rising oceans. The garbage patch has been geoengineered into an actual island now. Um, And the two sisters in question, Laurel and Paloma, visit their great aunt in El Salvador, um, and things are much worse there than in the U.S. And so a lot of people are moving to this garbage patch island to start a new life. And so they have to, you know, decide um, where do they fit in the world? Do they want to go? Do they want to stay? Do they want to, you know, fight for the land that their family came from? Like, what are their responsibilities? Who do they want to be? All these big, huge, juicy questions that I love to see explored in uh, speculative fiction contexts. So I'm super interested in this one. Um, very excited about it. And this is also inspired by the author's own heritage. So again, that's Blue Mar by Francesca Varela. My last sci-fi pick is from a familiar name. 
It's Remote Control by Nettie Okorafor. Uh, and <laughs> I feel like I deserve this one since the uh, most of the other ones were new to me. So, oh yeah, I was glad that you picked it because I was gonna if you didn't. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so this is another novella coming from Nettie Okorafor, which I am always excited about. There are certain authors I tend to turn to for novellas, like P. Jelly Clark and Seanan McGuire and Nettie Okorafor, of course, and. This is another sci-fi from her, and it's about an alien artifact that turns a young woman into Death's adopted daughter. So (gasps) amazing sounding already. And it's described as a story about community and female empowerment, because of course, and that's fantastic. And so the story follows a character, Fatima, who has forgotten her name. And then she gets this visit from death. And from then on, she's known as Sankofa. And this name ties her to her family and her past. And so she has this very, very heavy, I don't know, I was going to call it a talent. But, uh, you know, she has a power to, her touch is basically death. And she can cause death among the masses, among many, among one, you know, with one person. And so it's the story about how she's trying to connect her ability with this object that came from the sky. And then she's also figuring out what her greater purpose is. So, so many questions, because you can't give away too much with a novella. There are not enough pages for you to give away much more. But I know this is going to be amazing just because of, you know, Binti, which was one of my favorite, favorite sci-fi reads um, ever. And Nettie Okorafor is so talented at packing so much into very short books. So if you've been waiting for your next Okorafor book, you should definitely check this out. Again, that's Remote Control. By Nettie Okorafor, and this one's out this month, January 19th. Yay, so many exciting books. So many. So many. We'll be talking about more. (laughs) Forever and ever. Um, (laughs) Forever and ever. Amen. Uh, And that's our show. That's today's show. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Thanks also go out to our sound editor, Dr. Baker, who helps us to sound great each and every episode. Um, If you would like to email us, you've got theme ideas or questions or feedback or whatever, shoot us an email at sffyeah at bookriot.com. If you are so inclined we would love for you to review us on apple Podcasts. it helps other folks to find the show and we do love again to see that feedback uh in between shows you can find us online sharifa where are you i am on instagram at s zainab williams that's s-z-a-i-n-a-b williams and i am also mostly on instagram these days at i am jen irl that's i-a-m-j-e-n-n-i-r-l and we will talk to you next time 